found this book on uh, helping pastors with holidays. I've opened up to Mother's Day. It says you want to make sure you say hi to all the kids who are here with their parents and that day and make a joke about how they're here just for that day and uh, then smother them and beg them to come to church the next week. That's a good one. Uh, point out how every Sunday is Father's Day and mothers only get one day a year. <laughs> oh, and point out how, like, did your kids make breakfast for you in bed and help with the laundry today, which only causes mothers to then have to do, what, two or three times the work? That's always good. I'm going to go with my own style. Because um, here's what I've done for Mother's Day. Could my wife be more blessed? No, she could not. Not only is it Mother's Day, not only is it Trey's birthday, okay? But we've decided, I was asked and I said yes. I figured, what's the best way to bless Rachel? Why don't we host my whole family? Why, why don't we have to clean the house? And, and also, it's my brother-in-law's birthday Tuesday, so we'll make it his birth. We're going to make it so little about Rachel. She has no opportunity to be conceited this day. She is just set up to be humble and to be that wise what, see, Rachel's goal is to be like to, to be that woman, that motherly figure to all, who they come to her for her wise, sage advice while she wears purple and a hat. Yes, that is what she wants. And that's one of the greatest qualities of moms, is it not? They give advice. But I found it happens in two different ways. The first way moms give advice is kind of like a cross between a shotgun and a machine gun that never ends with the bullets. It's just and it's advice after advice after advice after advice to the point where eventually they don't hear you anymore. They don't hear. I heard somebody the other day. I heard. I saw it on Facebook. They said being a mother is telling your daughter not to have attitude, all the while you have attitude. But if that's the kind of advice you give as a mom. It, it really works later in life. They realize, oh, my mom used to say that. It happens when you have your own kids and you remember the things your mother said to you growing up and you're like, oh, she was right. But then there's the other ones where the, they hold on for maximum impact. My mother, as I grew up, she told me two things. That's it. Two things. Okay? Well, the third was, please stop talking. Okay, but the first two, one was, say thank you. I mean, that was the advice I had my host. Did you say thank you? If I got any, did you say thank you? Say thank you and be nice. That was hammered home, which is ironic, because for a lot of my life, I was not very grateful, and I wasn't very nice. But then as far as an impact moment, she saved something for me. I was about 22 years old, or so, and I, I, I started dating a girl, and I thought she was great, and she was all the things I was looking for, and finally brought her home to mom, and they spent time talking, and we left, and then I called my mom, and I said, Mom, what do you think? She goes, Honey, you can do so much better. <laughs> my mother had never said a word about anybody I had ever dated in my life. And there were some she should have. But this one was fine. It was all the things. And she said, honey, you can do so much better. And I was like, wow. And I, okay. 
was like, sorry, babe. Can't get, Mom doesn't like you. You're out. And my mother was right, because I did do so much better. But you see, moms have a gift, hopefully, of telling the truth. And there's times in life we need to hear the truth. We wander off. We're, we're somewhere else. And the truth helps us come back. And the same is true of God. He's speaking truth to us so that we might return to Him. We may not even realize. Sometimes we don't realize we've strayed quite a bit. Other times we know gum well. We've turned our backs and run. Well, that's nothing new. And that's what's happening here to Israel about 800 B.C. And God has spoken to his prophet Hosea, and he has said, I want you to love this woman Gomer. Still a terrible name, I get it. Because she's an adulterous woman, and that's how Israel is to me. And when we're honest, we all have sinned, as it says in Isaiah. We've all gone astray. And God speaks truth to them. So open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 4. Now I could go over this and we could break it down and probably make chapter 4 about three or four sermons. I'm looking around the room. For those of you who have done this before, you could probably do three or four out of it. We could have some home group Bible studies and break it down and really look at what was going on at this time. We're not going to do that here today. You're welcome to do it on your own. But we're going to look at this a couple different ways. What? In context. Because that's always essential in Scripture. We're going to look at it in context and how it applied to them then. We're also going to allow for it to be a commentary, perhaps God's way of speaking to us now. Both, both on a macro scale as God's people or as people in America, in our culture, but on a micro scale ourselves. And see if God has some truth for you this morning. And that's my prayer, that your ears would be open and your hearts would, and your hearts would be soft and hear Him speaking to you. It's not that we're having an academic class today and going over Israel at this time. Just enough so that we can see if it applies. Verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. I hope he doesn't say that to me. I'm glad he does if I need it. I have a charge to bring to you. You see, there is no faithfulness. There's no love. No acknowledgement of God in the land. There's only cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does that not sound, oh, I don't know, a little bit about, a little bit like our world today? Just hear it again. There's no faithfulness, there's no love. No acknowledgement of God in the land. Notice it doesn't say mandatory obedience too. Just not even acknowledgement of God in the land. The more we take God out of the land, and I'm not going to stand here today and go down that road of prayer in schools and all that stuff. I'm saying just acknowledgement of God in the land. There's cursing, there's lying, there's murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. 
Now there he's talking about the leadership and the kings they had at the time and one after another. And the cursing here is talking about swearing against somebody else. False testimonies. Things like that. Boy, do we see a lot of that in our world today. You look in the news and you look at pop culture and what percentage of it is true? Let's not even get to politics. What is truth anymore? I don't even know. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea are dying. Bloodshed, by the way, back there in verse 2, always follows bloodshed. You know, we talk about it figuratively in our world, how we murder one another with our words. And we talk about people and we slander their character. You don't have to go too far in our world to find literal bloodshed because people are different than other people. And we almost get numb to it. You know, whether it's Muslims in Christ Church or Christians in Sri Lanka or Hindus here or this, there. They're literally being slaughtered. And we face that here. But he, he goes away from talking about Israel as a whole. And in verse 9, he's talking more to the, the priests, the religious leaders of the day. And so we sit here today and we could break down how, what they were doing and, and, and how they were corrupt. And we'll touch on that. But, but you sit here and you're going to go, well, I'm glad I'm not a priest. I'm glad I'm not a religious leader circa Israel 800 B.C. But if you have decided to follow Jesus Christ, hopefully you're reaching out to some people who don't know him. And you are a leader to them, and therefore I believe to some degree you're accountable the same way. I Very often I look and I, and I check myself whenever I see them. I'm like, oh, is that me? I don't want to be that guy. You know, though the woe be to you, Jesus says. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Woe to you. I don't want ever woe to me. But we need to do that as a whole. And you go, Jay, nobody's following me. I, I don't lead anyone. Why not? Maybe that's what you're supposed to hear today. I don't care who you are, by the way. If you know this much about God, you can lead the person that knows this much. You can love somebody. It didn't, it didn't you know... Look at me. Okay? I'm no hero. He says, but let no man bring a charge. Let no man accuse another. For your people are like those who bring charges against a priest. You stumble day and night. He's talking about the priests. And the prophets stumble with you. So I will destroy your mother. That's Israel. He says, I'm going to destroy it because you're not following along. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. Again, he's talking to leaders. You've rejected what I've taught you, what I've told you. I love churches that go so deep into the Bible, but they pass right past love and compassion and forgiveness and understanding. Oh, they went for the deep knowledge and they missed the simple message. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you've ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. 
The more the priests increased, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glory for something disgraceful. They feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. Interesting thing, what he's talking about here is they would bring their offerings, their meat offerings. And the way it was supposed to happen is it would be a burnt offering, a cooked offering, and the priest would stick his fork in it. And whatever stuck to it was the portion he got. They left it up to God. That was his portion. And now what they were doing was saying, yeah, I get 30% off the top. Okay? Again, I don't know if they were all Italian, but they worked that way. But symbolically, figure, look at what they did. We're leaving it up to God. This is our portion. And now they're like, yeah, we're going to leave God out of it. We figure 35 is a good bit. I don't like you very much. We're going to go 40. 40 off the top, and then we'll go from there. Isn't that amazing? That's 800 B.C. And we still have people taking man-made rules, taking God out of the picture, especially in the faith game. Okay, we're going to do this, 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 this. Did you pray about it? Uh, sure. God may want to tell you something, but you're too busy in your systems. You're cutting the corners. You're leaving them out. Nothing new. It happened back then. And it will be like people like priests. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. All will be punished. They will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not increase because they have deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution. Now this is starting to reference the Canaanite ways and the different religions that the priests were now following and the people were following Rather than doing what God had led them to do, they were following the religion of the land, for lack of a better term. To old wine and new, which takes away the understanding of my people, they consult a wooden idol and are answered by a stick of wood. There's times like this we have to stop and check ourselves. Do you believe that God created the world? Do you believe that he created man in his own image so that he could be in a relationship with us? Do you believe that he gave his one and only son to pay for all of our sins, to be the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world for all who would call upon his name? If you have never done that, I encourage you to do that here this morning. It's quite simple. Jesus, you died for me, so I give you my life. Do you believe that? If you believe all that, imagine his people following another religion and consulting a wooden idol and being answered by a stick of wood. How dare we? How dare they? Can you imagine the rage? Can you imagine? How God must feel when he's begging to speak with us and they go on a mountaintop and talk to a wooden idol. How could they? How could I? How often do I consult other things? How often do we look to other gods for answers? How often does God put something on your heart that you feel led to do but then you go, well, in today's day and age, we can't do that. It might be offensive. 
They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hills, under oak, poplar, and terebinth, where the shade is pleasant. Therefore, your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughters-in-law to slavery. And, well, we're, uh, it got to a point where there were temple prostitutes, and that was a way to draw closer to God. So it wasn't just, you know, your typical old-school prostitution. that We combined a religious aspect to it. How gross. How right in the face of God. The adoration of God and one of his greatest gifts, if I may, the act of love. And they're both being used completely apart from him. This other way of being. Ways that people are following that have nothing to do with him. Being contaminated by that culture. And I ask you, what is that here today? I mean, we don't have too many temple prostitutes these days to go visit. Plenty of the other kind. But what is the religion of the day that is corrupting God's people? I don't mean, oh, it's the Catholics. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Is it the religion of being right? Is it the religion of no, no offense? Is it the religion of not my business? Is it the religion of politics? Ah. I will love and serve everybody who believes and agrees with me on Facebook. Is it the religion of superiority? What is it? What is it that has contaminated our culture? Both this culture, but really this culture that has led us astray and that we have willingly followed along. Verse 14, he says, I will not punish your daughters when they turn to that prostitution, nor your daughters-in-law when they commit adultery. Because the men themselves consort with harlots. Good word, harlot. And sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to ruin. He looks at it, and he says, look, you're all guilty. I know that's still something we do. I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. At least I'm not them. Those are the worst. A people without understanding will come to ruin. I mentioned earlier how moms, sometimes with that shotgun approach, takes years down the road for us to realize they were right. I believe this is the same way with God's warnings. I feel like there's some things he's warning me about, and in 20 years I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you were right, huh? Yeah, you were right. I should have fixed that then, Lord. He's warning. He's like, it's going to go bad. He's like, I love you so much. Fix it now. Though you commit adultery, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. They had not yet become what Israel was. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not sign. Do not go up to Beth Evan. And do not swear as surely as the Lord lives. He's like, take my name out of your mouth. Stop acting like you know. Don't sin over here and say, oh, as surely as the Lord lives. That's something sacred. God still needs to be revered. We look backwards and what's he talking about? There's no acknowledgement of me. Knowledge has been forgotten. And now you're spouting off 
and swearing by my name when you don't have any of the other things. Stop it. How many times do moms say, stop it? Unfortunately, I think we don't stop it either. You know why? Because the Israelites are stubborn, like a stubborn heifer. How then can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? I love sometimes when there's perfect contrast in the Bible. Let me ask you this morning, you stubborn like a heifer? Or can you be led like a lamb in a meadow? It's not for me to answer. And you know what? It's not for you to answer either. There isn't a person here that's going, oh, I'm stubborn like a heifer. That's me. It's for the Holy Spirit within you to answer. Lord, how have I been stubborn like a heifer? Can you show me how to be led like a lamb in a pasture? Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. Even when the drinks are gone, they continue their prostitution. Their rulers dearly love shameful ways. But a whirlwind will weep them away, sweep them away, and their sacrifices will bring them shame. God knows what's ahead of us. He's not this big rule maker. Do this or I'm mad at you. He's saying, I created you. And if you keep going this way, you're going to get swept away. And so I want to take a few minutes right now. And I want to pray. I want you to pray. I'll lead us. But I want God to have an opportunity to talk to you this morning. I want Him to... to for you to have the opportunity to hear from Him calling you to return. Let Him tell you some truth. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come to You busy. We come to You with plans. We come to You with a to-do list. But Lord, it is an honor to sit here with you right now and simply open up our hearts. Search our hearts, oh God. Point out to us ways that are not pleasing to you. Where is it that we have left you out of our life? Where we're not even acknowledging you anymore. Convict us, oh God. What is it about this culture, this world, where maybe we've let it become too much of us? Father, I thank you that you call us to be in this world, to make a difference and to go love this world. But there's times where we become too much like this world. Convict us, Lord, and change us. Where have we taken you for granted, oh God? Where have we not acknowledged you? Where have we sworn by your name? Having not checked in with you in days. Convict us, O oh God. Change our hearts. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you never let us go. 
You don't wipe your hands of us and throw us away. I thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Jesus, I thank you for your obedience, even obedience to death on the cross. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would reside in each of us. May we check in with you. May we hear your still small voice and sit and listen and be changed because we've been with you. Thank you, God, that you forgive us. Thank you that you change us and that you don't let us go. May we give you all the glory. Lord, I pray for everyone that's here that they may be different today because they've been with you. I pray for anybody that's here who has not committed their lives to you, that you would bless them with the faith to do so, that they would not have to carry the burdens of life anymore, but that they can lay it at the foot of the cross. And I pray for those who are in our world who do not know you. May you send us to them. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>